0: Shall we get into this message, this series, How Not to Be Your Own Worst Enemy? Well, here we go. Before we uh, get into that, let me give a shout out to our podcast listeners as well. Those of you, our extended Elevate family around the world listening in. Uh, This is the first week of June, and I like to give a reflection of uh, our our top 10 countries for the previous month. So in May, we had two new countries enter our top 10 uh, most listened to. uh, And and number nine is uh, one of my favorite countries, Malaysia. So, selamat datang to our uh, Extended Elevate family in Malaysia. Uh, And then number seven is Kenya. Hello, yeah. So, to our new Kenyan family, Sasa and Mungu Akabariki. Yeah, it it means, how you doing and God bless you. Spoken by a true Mzungu, which is Swahili for white man. In case you're on the podcast, you think I'm I'm Kenyan. I can assure you, I, I I am not. Well, it's the 7th of June, which means we're nearly halfway through 2020. What? And chances are, like me, many of you launched into 2020 with 2020 vision, with grand plans of new beginnings and new opportunities and transformation and taking new ground and developing new things. And then in late March, this little nuisance called COVID-19 appeared on all of our radars. And well, I think it's fair to say everything changed. Reminded me of Mike Tyson's famous quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) And it felt like COVID was a global punch in the face. That we, uh, things we took for granted and not evil things, good things. Just catching up with friends at a coffee shop, taken off. Uh, Watching sport, Ah! (laughs) playing sport, taken off hanging out, having birthday parties, coming to a church setting for Easter. Travel taken. But while we're on the topic of quotes, Winston Churchill famously said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And as we gather and we re-enter for our live experiences, God's always been working, but I really think it's a great opportunity for us to, to focus on what really matters? You know the landscape is still a little bit less crowded than it might otherwise be. I know some of you took up baking banana bread. I get it. Uh, sourdough starters. You, the hipsters among you. Um, I know some of you were forced to uh, to uh, try your hand at homeschooling, and you fast uh, discovered that recess was invented for teachers, not for <laughs> students. So uh, there's that. But we wanted to re-enter with this new series, How Not to Be Your Own Worst Enemy. And it's a little bit of a clickbaity title because it's got this word enemy. And enemy is a strong word, let's face it. You know, enemy by definition is somebody, be it an individual uh, or or a country, who, who, who are part of their purpose, a part of their mission, a part of what they are about is actually sabotaging you. And so we're asking the question, have you ever been your own worst enemy? And you think, Maybe like, no. Okay, well, before we get to you, have you ever known somebody who's been their own worst enemy, who through their actions have self-sabotaged? Maybe self-sabotaged their finances. Maybe self-sabotaged their health maybe self-sabotage their relationships, maybe self-sabotage their career or their business because they made decisions and took actions that actually positioned themselves in a worse place rather than in a better place, which is the actions of an enemy to try and sabotage. So probably you know some people, but, but here's the thing that I suspect is true for all of us is that in some arena or at some stage, you and I, have been our own worst enemy. And it could be in those sorts of things, career, finances, health, relationships. And you say, well, well, I didn't mean to. I, fine, but you did it anyway. So here's the thing. You were involved in all of your bad decisions. You were there. You were consulted by you you had a seat at the table when you made your bad decisions. And in sitting at the table and playing a role in making those bad decisions in that you were, and I've done it too, your own worst enemy. And this is a three-week series and it's not a rubbing your nose in it for three weeks series. In fact, we're putting it out there because it is possible to move from being your own worst enemy to being your own best friend, and experiencing the life-transforming benefits of what it means to make decisions as your own best friend. But let's do let's let's play a little bit of a theater of the mind. Let's do a hypothetical, and the reason it's a hypothetical is this is one of those don't try this at home scenarios. Okay, but let's pretend that you have somebody. Maybe you don't have to pretend somebody who it seems there. They think their job is to sabotage you. They would maybe not call themselves your enemy, but maybe you would. Let's just pretend you've got someone. Ask them to follow you around for a period of time. just hypothetically. Follow you around, and, and, and you commit to them, and whether that's a month or six months, just you know a, period, a good period of time you commit to them that before you make any decision, you'll consult them for their advice. OK? So that, this is the setup. So next time you're online shopping, before you hit checkout on the cart, turn to your enemy and ask them, should I buy this? And sometimes your enemy would say to you, well, you know, you've already got one that does everything that this one does. But then again, this is newer. So sure, you should buy that. Check out. Well, maybe you're, you're just thinking about doing this dumb thing and you kind of know it's a dumb thing to do. And you're like, well, oh, I probably shouldn't do this. Well, it's easy. Before you decide, ask your enemy for their input. Should I do this? And they will likely say to you, well, it's wrong. So yeah, <laughs> you should do it, but just don't tell anyone. And this is a sort of narrative that we can have in our own life for ourselves. I'm not sure how many of you are fans of The Office, the US version of The Office. There's a character called Dwight Schrute. Let me throw up, we're gonna sort of quote frenzy here this morning. Let me throw up one of his famous quotes. He said in an episode, whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. So I've paraphrased that quote, good advice by the way, into our series, How Not to Be Your Own Worst Enemy. And so this is me paraphrasing Dwight Schrute. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would my enemy want me to do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. And as we're approaching one of those things that our enemy would want us to do, hopefully we get something on the inside that says, ah, uh, 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 it's not our enemies saying that. They're saying, go for it. And we go, Ugh. something dings our conscience. Something says, I think it's a good time to pull the handbrake on and push pause before you go any further. That's your conscience. That's your conscience that God has actually baked into your operating system. And it's put there for your and my own benefit. It's the warning lights on the dashboard, and when those things happen, when the uh, 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 when the ding of the when the warning lights come on, here's my advice to you, pay attention to that tension because it's there for a reason. It's 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 one of the ways God says, ah, ah, ah. and you can just blow right by that. <laughs> What do you know, conscience? Shut up, I'm ignoring you. Fine, but then you risk becoming your own worst enemy and facing and living with the consequences of that. Now, if you've got our Bible app, I'd encourage you to join with me, pop that open to 1 Samuel 24. First It's in the old part of the Bible. You don't need to know that, just go. It, it, you can search, it's, it's an app. It's how apps work apparently. That's what the young people tell me. 1 Samuel chapter 24. Now, let me give you the backstory. Now, I'm gonna give you about three decades of history in about two minutes. So y'all buckle up, pay attention, all right? I'm gonna drop you into a slice of history where the two main characters are Saul and David. Now, Saul, at this time, was the first, and, and was, in this time that we're drop, dropping into, he was on the throne as the first king of, Of Israel, And then the other character is David. You know, David, is that David and Goliath, David? Yes, it is. David and Goliath, David. And David, when he was a young boy, still living and working on his old man's farm, uh, God sent a prophet out to to handpick a future king of Israel and actually handpicked David. And it was a not yet uh, first round draft pick. It's like, you will be king one day. Not today, but the promise of that is coming today, okay? Because here's the thing, there's sometimes a delay between the promise and the fulfilment of the promise, and the worst thing we can do, this isn't in my notes, is let go of the promise, because it's not taking as quick as I wanted to. Like, whoa, 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 just look, God promised it, it's still on the table, all right? All right, so that's David. Now, David sort of entered uh, the the public arena when when he uh, defeated Goliath, and he received a lot of acclaim. He's the only one that that was willing and able to do that. Uh, Saul. Um, brought him into his kind of inner circle, uh, promoted him through the military. Actually, Saul uh, married off one of his daughters to David. So David was now the son-in-law of the king, uh, which you know, the future king, the, son, the son-in-law the son of the king, though Saul didn't know he was uh, the future king, uh, gave him increasingly responsible uh, opportunities in the military. So David's fame grew, his reputation grew. And here's one thing that is a common characteristic of insecure leaders is they don't like having high-capacity people coming up under them because they feel threatened. Whereas, whereas, by the way, if you're a leader and you have high-capacity people coming up under you, guess what? They're gonna raise the tide of your boat. So help them win and you win. But Saul didn't see it that way. He saw David as a threat. So what Saul started to do was send David on increasingly risky missions to the Philistines, hoping and assuming that the Philistines would actually knock David off. But they didn't. And David kept winning and kept becoming more popular. So Saul got more threatened and decided he was gonna take matters into his own hands. So he put a bounty on David's head, declared that he would be taking the responsibility personally of killing david and so david did what you'd expect him to do he ran away became an outlaw went into hiding for a period of time saul would send out spies to look for david no success uh, other outlaws you know uh, birds of feather and all that started to seek out david and 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 took and gave him the opportunity to become their leader and so before long, David had this small army of his own, of outlaws, hiding in caves and so on and so forth. And Saul was continuing to send out spies um, to look for David so he could kill them. Now, drop us into First Samuel 24. Let's pick up what happened. When Saul came back after dealing with the Philistines, he was told David is now in the wilderness of En Gedi. Saul took three companies, which Brandon, in this case, was 3,000 people, 3,000 to kill one, seems a little bit over the top, but anyway, he was all in, the best he could find in Israel, and set out in search of David and his men in the region of the wild goat rocks. And he came to some sheep pens along the road, and there was a cave there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. You don't have to go to Bible college to, to, to learn this fact, This is the only reference of somebody going to the toilet in the entire Bible. And here's the thing. Saul, king, he was on a mule. 3,000 elite soldiers plus their supply caravan formed this gigantic, Gigantic convoy. If you were one of the people in that caravan and you had to do ones or twos, you just had to step off the side of the road, get about it, and get back in the caravan. But if you're the king, you, it's undignified to step off to the side of the road. Plus, you you say to the caravan, stop, I'm going toilet. And so and so Saul goes off uh, to a cave to, to do, doesn't say if it was ones or twos or both, and... Um, it, it's probably not important to the story. Um, but get this David and his men were huddled far back in the same cave. Hello. In this region of En it was littered with caves. And Saul so just so happens to choose that cave. In that moment, when you know he couldn't hold it in any longer, and it happened to be the exact same cave that David and his men were huddled far back in the dark because they would have seen the, the convoy coming, moved to the back of the cave, and then this shadowy silhouette comes into the front of the cave and assumes the position, and David recognizes the robe. as did his men, and his men whispered to him, can you believe this? This is the day God was talking about when he said, I'll put your enemy in your hands. You can do whatever you want with him. God had, of all the caves, of all the times to get the urge, of all the routes they could have taken, Saul goes to this cave. God served David's enemy up on a platter. And, and so, so, look, I'm just gonna give you the spoiler. It would, it, so it's no surprise to then learn that David snuck up on Saul, chopped off his head, Grabbed it, 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 this is not PG. Grabbed Saul's head, stepped out of the cave, and held up his head and showed it to all the 3,000 soldiers and the convoy who were up to that point looking for David and declared himself as the new king of Israel. To which all of the 3,000 soldiers and everyone in the convoy bowed down to David, not only because they were grateful that that, that David was a, a better man. But, but, but actually, he, David, by doing that, he'd actually averted civil war. His men versus Saul's men. The only blood that was shed was one, Saul. And look, he probably deserved it. He was after David and would have done it to him if David hadn't done that first, right? Right. No, it's not right, right? <laughs> It's not what happened. I mean, it's what you might think happened or should have happened or, well, of course that happened. No, quiet as a cat. Oh yeah, okay, get this bit. David crept up, yeah, and cut off. Uh-huh, a, 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 what? A piece of Saul's robe. It's not exactly life-threatening. Lose a bit of your jammies. Immediately, underline this bit, he felt Guilty. He said to his men, God forbid that I should have done this to my master, God's anointed, that I should so much as raise a finger against him. He's God's anointed. David held his men in check because they hadn't decided what David had decided with these words and wouldn't let them pounce on Saul. Saul got up and left the cave and went on down the road. Immediately, David felt guilty. Immediately, he felt an Immediately, he felt a check that, says, that said, the promise still stands, but I am gonna deliver the promise. You don't need to take matters into your own hands. It's the right robe, but it's the wrong way. David decided in that moment, there was something that went off. A warning light went off on his dashboard that, that, that said to him, in effect, you will become king, but this is not the sort of king you want to become. And in that moment, David, who could have killed his hunter, proved himself to be the better king, even though he was still not yet king. And we have this saying in sort of Western society, ah, well, when we try to cut corners, which is literally what David did, cut a corner. When we cut corners... Um. <laughs> that the end if, if David had taken it further that the end justifies the means and yet it, it sometimes doesn't because the way we get to places is often more important than where we get to because it's about character it's about perseverance it's about walking the inward journey as much as it is about walking the outward journey It's about trusting God and not trying to shortcut things and knowing that God will honor the promise if we stay submitted to the process, okay? Don't simply do the convenient thing, do the wise thing. Don't just do something because you can. Ask the question of whether you should. And this is one of the things, and some of you have heard me beef about this before. One of the things that I don't like about what I call the sliding doors theology. The sliding doors theology, or this is how I see it, is is some people, and and I've met them, and maybe you've met them, and maybe you've even been them, have this idea that God works based on doors being open versus doors being closed. And the assumption that is if it's open, obviously we're meant to go through, and if it's closed, obviously we're not. And yet, God often causes us to want to go, calls us to go through closed doors. That's why He calls it breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes He says, don't go through the open door because it's not what He wants for us. And so, rather than being led by circumstance, we can be led by things, including our conscience, this thing that God's hardwired into our operating system. And here's the great thing about our conscience. We all have one. I know sometimes it's a little bit annoying, but not only do we have one, it's there for our benefit. It's there to stop us being our own worst enemy. And by the way, the good news doesn't stop there. Guess what? Our conscience is something that can grow and develop over time. So, so even if it's like yours is a little bit like not very effective, like, yeah, I think God put one in there, but I don't think it works very well. Well, you can upgrade the operating system and, and you can do that by reading God's word and allowing his principles to become the sorts of things that you adopt as your principles. You can do it by listening to his Holy Spirit. Some of, sometimes God's Holy Spirit actually dings our conscience and we get, oh, who, yeah, mm. And our conscience can grow by listening, not to enemies, but to wise friends, who would offer us a better perspective, who themselves are committed to being our best friend and wanting the best for us and would help us become our best friend. And as our conscience grows and gets clearer and louder, that when it goes off, pay attention to the tension. Push pause uh, 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 and pay attention to the tension. Now, I got some homework for y'all. And the homework is in our Elevate Group Notes. So in our app, Elevate Church AU app, it's already been published, uh, week one Elevate Group Notes. Now, if you're part of an Elevate Group, jump in, you're allowed to, two square meters, all that sort of stuff, uh, and, and go through this stuff together. Um, if you're not yet, then Louie will tell you in a moment how you can do that and encourage you to jump into an Elevate Group. Um, plus, you can do this on your own. Jump into those notes that's there and use them as like a devotion, if that's kind of your thing. Devotion, what does that mean? I have no idea. Uh, like a little study of your own. You can do that with your, with, your, with your partner, you can do it with your family, you can do it with a couple of people. But, but do this because uh, what I find and what I observe is people that do that extra you know, homework. You're like the advanced students, like, it's not punishment. Don't show them you're smart, you'll get more homework. It's like, no, it's a reward because they want you to grow. So, so get in there. Uh, and each of these three weeks, we're gonna be publishing some great notes uh, for us to dig into and help us all learn how to not be our own worst enemy. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth Environments, head to our website elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.